Hello and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and this is episode number 44 of the Imagineer Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking all about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge coming to both the Disneyland Resort in California and the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, Florida. And especially because this episode is being released on Star Wars Day, may the force be with you by the way, I felt there was no other, no better opportunity to talk about this new and exciting land coming to both of these parks. We know that the Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland is going to be opening up later this month, and we can expect Galaxy's Edge to open up at Disney's Hollywood Studios later this summer. So today we'll talk about a little bit about the history of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. We'll share some updates and information to help you get ready for these new lands, whether you're planning to visit either one of these resorts this year or next year, just to help get you ready for what to expect, what some of the new experiences might be, and answer some of those common questions that a lot of you have sent in to me over the last couple of months asking about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. The end of the show, we'll come back. I'll tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer podcast on all of our social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of the show. So grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair, and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer podcast. Ever since Disney acquired Lucasfilm in October of 2012, Disney fans have come to expect a lot of new Star Wars developments across the parks. We know that when Disney did acquire Lucasfilm, Bob Iger had announced that there would be new movies and shows and expansions to the parks that would be coming in the future. We did see that continuation of the Star Wars saga with Episode 7, The Force Awakens, Episode 8, The Last Jedi. We just saw a teaser trailer for Episode Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker, and our spin-offs between Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and Solo as well. So we knew that there was going to be a lot that Disney was going to bring to the table, and Disney fans around the world were expecting to hear some announcements, especially at the D23 Expo in 2013 and then in 2015. And that second one, the D23 Expo in Anaheim in 2015, was when Disney first announced that Star Wars would be coming to Disneyland and Walt Disney World with these new expanded lands bringing that magic of the Star Wars saga and universe to both of these parks. 
Now to go back to that date, because I feel like it was so long ago, many of you might not remember what that announcement was like. So I'm going to go over to the Disney Parks blog and just share with you uh, some information that they had shared. And this was posted on August 15th, 2015 with the title Star Wars themed lands coming to Walt Disney World and Disneyland resorts and here's what the Disney Parks blog had to say today at the D23 Expo 2015 the Walt Disney Company chairman and CEO Bob Iger announced to an audience of more than 7500 fans that Star Wars themed lands will be coming to Disneyland Park in Anaheim California and Disney's Hollywood Studios at Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando Florida allowing Star Wars fans to step into these stories from a galaxy far, far away. Ambitious plans to bring Star Wars to life in the two parks include creating Disney's largest single-themed land expansions ever at 14 acres each, transporting guests to never-before-seen planet, a remote trading port, and one of the last stops before Wild Space and where Star Wars characters and their stories come to life. And this is a quote from Bob Iger. I am thrilled to announce the next chapter in the long and exciting history between Disney Parks and Star Wars. We are creating a jaw-dropping new world that represents our largest single-themed land expansion ever. These new lands at Disneyland and Walt Disney World will transport guests to a whole new Star Wars planet, including an epic Star Wars adventure that puts you in the middle of a climactic battle between the First Order and the Resistance." End quote. These authentic lands will have two signature attractions, including the ability to take controls of one of the most recognizable ships in the galaxy, the Millennium Falcon, on a customized secret mission, and an epic Star Wars adventure that puts guests in the middle of a climactic battle. Keep an eye on the Disney Parks blog for more news coming out of D23 Expo 2015 this afternoon from the Walt Disney Parks and Resorts presentation. So as I said, that was our first announcement of Disney's uh, new addition, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, to both of those parks, and that was going back four years ago. A year later, or less than a year later, in April of 2016, we saw Star Wars Galaxy's Edge break ground. We saw that there was some dirt being uh, in the back of Disneyland that you could see from the uh, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad second lift, which is where that goat is. If you go over that hill and you still can see now a new complete mountain range that's behind Thunder Mountain there. And then over at Disney's Hollywood Studios, you could see the construction if you were driving down World Drive, going into Disney's Hollywood Studios from World Drive, or if you were standing anywhere close to that part of the park. And what's amazing is that while Disneyland did add an entire new area to the back of the park and is still in development, it's uh, next to or between Frontierland and Toontown. It was a backstage area in the past that has since been moved elsewhere in the Disneyland Resort. Walt Disney World had to take up space at Disney's Hollywood Studios with some areas that are no longer in existence. So if you think about Disney's Hollywood Studios, the place where the back lot, Lights, Motors, Action, and part of the Streets of America and the <clears throat> Honey, I Shrunk the Audience kids set, or I should say play set, that was then completely demolished to make room for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It is, again, the largest single-themed land expansion in Disney Parks history at either one of these parks, and these lands are 14 acres each, which is tremendous. You could get a real sense of the scale when you go there in person. It's incredible. But that's all we heard in 2015, and we had to wait another two years before we got a lot more information about this park. And the next major announcement was on July 15th, 2017, again at the uh, Disney Parks blog. 
And this was an article written by Jennifer Fickley Baker at the time, who was the editorial content manager for the Walt Disney World Resort, who said, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge announced as the name for Star Wars lands at Disney parks. And here's how, here's how the article goes. Just moments ago, Bob Chapek, chairman of Walt Disney Parks and Resorts, revealed the official name of the Star Wars-inspired lands that are currently under construction at the Disneyland and Walt Disney World Resorts and shared details on the immersive experience guests will be able to enjoy when the lands open in 2019. The lands, both called Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, will allow guests to visit a remote trading port on the edge of wild space, where Star Wars characters and their stories come to life and where guests will find themselves in the middle of the action. The article then goes on to talk more about both of the attractions that are in place at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And as the article says, the lands will feature two major attractions that put guests in the middle of a battle between the First Order and the Resistance. Each attraction, and even the land itself, will offer guests the chance to immerse themselves in the Star Wars universe like never before. One attraction will make you feel like you're on a Star Destroyer inside a hangar bay. It's an attraction built on a scale we've never done before. The second attraction will give guests the opportunity to fly the Millennium Falcon, piloting the ship, shooting blasters, or preparing for hyperspace, all while completing a critical mission. But how you perform on the mission holds even bigger stakes. Perform with skill, and you may earn extra galactic credits. While bringing the ship back, banged up, could put you on the list of a bounty hunter. End up on Harko's list, and you may face a problem if you show up at the local cantina. Guests will encounter many familiar faces inside Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, including BB-8, Chewbacca, members of the First Order, and among many others, Rex, the troublesome pilot, who you may remember from the previous version of a certain Disney attraction who takes on a new role in this land as the DJ at the cantina. And speaking of the cantina, here guests will be able to try unique concoctions like blue milk. Nearby, they'll also be able to acquire trinkets and treasures from across the galaxy. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge will open in 2019, first at the Disneyland Resort and later in the year at the Walt Disney World Resort. So that was our update in 2017, again, two years after the announcement. And we had heard a little bit here and there about what to expect with the land, but that was another step forward in identifying what this themed land would be like. And the other piece of information that we did get but we didn't know exactly what Rise of the Resistance would be like. We did get more confirmation that it was going to be similar to a trackless dark ride technology that you would see over at other parks around the world. It was a technology used with Pooh's Honey Hunt over at Tokyo Disney and also at uh, the Ratatouille attraction at Disneyland Paris, among a couple of others, including at Hong Kong Disneyland for their version of the Haunted Mansion called Mystic Manor. So we knew that it was going to be, or we had heard confirmations, that it would be a trackless dark ride, but we didn't get too much more information except some of the concept art, which, again, when you look at it, did make you seem like you were going to be put in the middle of a Star Destroyer. Looks abs and still does look absolutely incredible. And the other information we did get for the Millennium Falcon attraction was that each cabin was going to seat six guests. And as it says in the article, you can either be a, a pilot, a 
uh, or you could be shooting blasters or preparing for hyperspace. And we did confirm that there was going to be two of each of those positions, the pilots, the blasters, and preparing for hyperspace in each cabin. And did hear that it was going to be a motion simulator based ride. Uh, and what was most impressive was the fact that there was going to be real consequence, as it mentioned in this article, for what to expect. Uh, you know, if you bang up the ship, you're going to be put potentially on a bounty list, and that could have consequence to what you could expect in your rest of your experience at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. But if you steered the ship properly and completed your mission, that you might be given us a chance to get some rewards in exchange for that. And we still don't know exactly what that might be. You know, it says you're gonna earn some extra galactic credits, but we don't know if that is going to translate to merchandise you could purchase. My guess is probably not, but we'll have some, uh, you know, we'll give you the ability to perhaps get some extra great experiences throughout Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. The other thing we did hear was the fact that there were going to be these Star Wars characters interacting with you throughout the land, some you would recognize and others you might not know, but that were specific to this new land that they were developing. So we knew that there was going to be some new character experiences in there as well. And besides that, we did, you know, like I said in the article, we did hear that we we're going to get the chance to drink blue milk, which is something that I don't know if every person out there would want to drink that in the middle of the Florida heat in the summer, but it is something that a lot of Star Wars fans have always wondered what would blue milk taste like. But then in May of 2018, we finally got some more information about the land itself. And I think here is perhaps the most information about the backstory we've seen about this new area. So I wanna read for you quickly, and this came by Scott Trowbridge, who is the portfolio creative uh, ex executive for Walt Disney Imagineering, overseeing Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at both Walt Disney World and the Disneyland Resort. And Scott wrote in this article titled, Black Spire Outpost Revealed to be the name of the village in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And here's what he says. For those of you who attended one of tonight's panel discussions at Star Wars Galactic Nights at Disney's Hollywood Studios, you were among the first to hear some exciting news about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Our story editor, Margaret Kerrison, shared for the first time that the name of the village is called Black Spire Outpost. She also shared some of the history behind the name and how this village is closely associated with the geological formations that surround it. The largest settlement on the planet Batu, Black Spire Outpost, is an infamous, infamous stop for traders, adventurers, and smugglers traveling around the outer rim and wild space. Off the beaten path, this outpost has become a haven for the galaxy's most colorful and notorious characters. Widely known for the petrified remains of its once towering ancient trees, the spires now stand guard across the river valleys and plains and have long captured the imagination of travelers to this planet. To the first settlers, these petrified spires became more than just landmarks. They became the heart of the outpost itself. I look forward to sharing more details with you in the coming months and cannot wait for you to live your own Star Wars story once Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opens at Disneyland Resort in summer 2019 or at Walt Disney World Resort in late fall 2019. That was more information that we got, that's the end of the article, again from Scott, about 
what Black Spire Outpost is going to be like, and it's on this planet called Batuu. Now, a lot of Star Wars fans were expecting that perhaps we would be thrown into an existing planet that already exists in the Star Wars universe. Perhaps we were going to be on Tatooine or Hoth or some other planet that is there. You know, we might be on the forest moon of Endor and taken back to the Return of the Jedi. But what was really interesting was the fact that the Imagineers decided to put us on an entirely new planet and new land that did not exist previously in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. We have heard since that there's going to be new content created around this planet, but for many, this is going to be a totally new experience. And we've since learned that there are going to be some unique sights and sounds and smells. So we'll get to finally figure out what Star Wars smells like. And I know those of you out there who love those Disney scented candles are probably going to really want to experience these scents in person and then perhaps take home uh, some type of inspired candle from Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I am so anxious to see what Star Wars Galaxy's Edge smells like. That's how you know you're a true Disney fan is when you're looking forward to the smells in addition to everything else. But we don't know what this planet is and it's gonna be our first time experiencing it and that makes us feel like we're part of the Star Wars sa uh, saga and universe because in many cases, the characters in Star Wars are experiencing new planets for the first time as well. So if you think about Rey, she spends her whole life on Jakku and then leaves Jakku in you know, her adult life and explores and goes to visit all these new planets for the first time. Same thing with Luke. Luke grew up on Tatooine and it wasn't until he was older that he finally left Tatooine, left home and found himself on new planets as part of his mission. So like Luke, like Rey, like a lot of other characters, we are also going to have the chance to visit a new galaxy, a new planet for the first time encountering all these colorful and notorious characters, as Scott called them, and experience what that planet has to offer. Now, since then, information we have received is that the two attractions are going to be placed on the opposite end of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and this is true for both Disneyland and Walt Disney World. What's amazing is that not only are you going to be given the chance to experience these two attractions and experience the whole land, but you're going to have the chance to decide if you're going to support the Jedi, or I should say the Resistance, or the First Order. If you are looking to support the Resistance, you might want to go to the Rise of the Resistance attraction, which is going to be placed in these old Jedi re temple remains uh, that are on the uh, planets of Batuu in the Black Spire outpost. So you gotta have to go and find this new or say this old ancient area, and that's going to be the inconspicuous entrance for Rise of the Resistance, where you are going to have the chance to join the Resistance in their fight against the First Order. Or you can help to support the First Order. And we've learned that while Smuggler's Run is not necessarily being part of the First Order, it is somewhere in the middle, because we know that in the Star Wars universe, we do have the Resistance, we do have the First Order, but then we have this gray area in the middle. You know, we have the smugglers, we have those who are switching sides, going back and forth. And that's going to be your experience on Smuggler's Run. You're going to be kind of in the middle of the battle. You'll still be existing in that planet, but not necessarily choosing sides. 
But at the same time, we have learned, and I, I will play for you in a little bit, that you will have the chance to support the First Order if you so decide to go to the dark side. So you have the choice in Galaxy's Edge to be on the Resistance or to be on the First Order or change it up. And every day, I get the impression, although they haven't announced this, but every day there might be a winner and a loser. and Or there could be some consequences to everybody's actions as a group as a whole and as you, for you as an individual. The choices that you make could have a lasting impact on Star Wars Galaxy's Edge that day, on Black Spire Outpost that day. So that's all the information we had received up until this point, and there were a lot more pieces that were put into play, but those were sort of the big pieces that were uh, provided to us as Star Wars Galaxy's Edge was being developed at both Walt Disney World and at Disneyland. And before we get into some of the specifics about what to expect in the land itself, I do want to go back to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge live panel that was uh, in Chicago back in April of 2019, so very recent. Uh, if you're listening on Star Wars Day or in May of 2019, this was, again, in Chicago, uh, a live stream event that was all about Star Wars, things we can expect and things to expect specifically from Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And this all happened on day two. We had a panel that was actually hosted by Josh Gad, who was the voice of Olaf in Frozen. And he had on the panel with him, Scott Trowbridge, who I mentioned is the portfolio creative executive or sort of the, the lead at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge for Imagineering. Asa Kalama, who is the executive creative director at Walt Disney Imagineering. Margaret Kerrison, who's the managing story editor at Walt Disney Imagineering, Chris Beatty, who's the Executive Creative Director at Walt Disney Imagineering, uh, Doug Chang, who's the Concept Artist and Vice President and Creative Director at Lucasfilm, and Matt Martin, who's the Creative Executive for the Lucasfilm Story Group. And in this first clip that I'm gonna play, you're actually gonna hear more about the panel's thoughts about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge as a land and as soon as we finish that clip I'm going to come back and play for you something very exciting as we had heard back in 2018 you know one of the things that makes Star Wars iconic is the music and we've talked about the music on this podcast before it's no surprise there but the iconic music from Star Wars all came from the creative mind of John Williams, all the way back to the original Star Wars, and he has had a hand in pretty much every Star Wars movie that has come to theaters ever since the first Star Wars movie. So what was really exciting was the fact that John Williams came back to the table to record a, a score specifically for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So you are truly going to feel like you are in a Star Wars movie. So again, I'm gonna play for you a little bit of a clip. I'm gonna take a little bit of a breather. Uh, that was from the panel and their discussion of the land of Black Spire Outpost and its design and development. And then I'll play for you that score that was shared with us that was written and composed by John Williams. Um, well, in all honesty, I truly am amazed at how insanely cool this looks, but I, I sort of have an authenticity question for you, Doug, because as we all know, you've had your hand on this for a long time. You know this world better than anyone. 
How accurate is it? And be honest. You can speak garbage about all of them. Now's your chance. Uh, absolutely. Great. What amazes me about yeah, seeing these videos <laughs> is that there is no movie magic behind this. this is, these are all real attraction experiences and places that guests will actually get to visit. Okay. And I'm going to ask it because I've had this question for a while now. So why a new planet as opposed to something like Tatooine? Why are we going to a brand new planet? Well, when we were trying to figure out what the land should be, we kind of started to explore all the different places we could take our guests. You know, like Tatooine, or maybe even Mustafar. And, but ultimately, when you think about it, those places are a reflection of the characters that they represent. For example, I mean, when you think about Tatooine in A New Hope, Luke is a moisture farmer. He's, he's a simple person, and he wants to escape this uh, mundane life. He wants to, you know, he has a longing for adventure. And so the bleak desert landscape reflects this emptiness. And so when we approach our designs for the environments, we really want to design the environments with purpose. Yeah, yeah and it, well, that was important, because as we sat down, we started designing Black Spire Outposts. It wasn't about a, a single person. It wasn't about Luke or Anakin's journey. It, it was about your journey. And, and that was really, I think, the turning point design for us. And we said, you know what? It's really about you. You are that rogue adventurer, that scoundrel, that, you know, that, that person on the edge of wild space. And that was the moment, I, I mean, I remember sitting at the table, you know, when we, when we said, you know what? This is it. This is, the, this is the switch that we needed to flip to really start to think about crafting a place that no, we've never been before. And it was a little scary for us at the same time because, you know, we know as fans we want to go visit those classic places, but at the same time, we wanted to build a place that, depending on the, the, the new stories, the new characters that come to life, that you could go and have those moments with them in a land that, that was timeless. And, and that was really, I think the, 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 I think, the hurdle that we got over in design that really took us to Black Spire.
Man, does that score rock or what? I love the fact that they brought John Williams back to do that score. It sounds so iconic. It sounds like something that's coming straight out of a Star Wars movie. And yet it was designed specifically for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. One of the coolest things about this new land. And you think about a lot of the other lands that exist, you take the songs from existing or the soundtracks from existing uh, property that's out there from existing movies. Even if you were to look at something as specific as the Tangled restroom area, they have a 35 minute loop there. It's all the Tangled songs. But this is a music loop created specifically for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge to fit into that universe. And it's an expansion of the content that's already developed, but it was written and composed by John Williams. If you can't tell, I'm absolutely geeking out about it. But besides how the land is composed, how it's put together, how it's designed, why it was designed the way that it was, the other element of Galaxy's Edge that I wanna talk about is the shopping and the merchandise and the food. And I wanna start specifically with the food because honestly, you know, Disney always seems to be uh, increasing the bar, setting new heights in what we can come to expect with food and with beverage at Walt Disney World. And I am so impressed with what we have seen announced about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So there's going to be three new lands or three new uh, shops, I should say, that are the, the largest or the most iconic for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And the first one, or I'll just list them out for you, they're Ogus Cantina, Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo, and the Milk Stand. And I love the way that if you visit the Walt Disney World website, they describe these through areas. So first is Oga's Cantina, which says, Thirsty for a taste of adventure? Welcome to the local cantina, where bounty hunters, smugglers, rogue traders, and weary travelers of all ages come together to refuel, enjoy music, and conduct meetings. No questions asked. With an expansive menu and exotic concoctions for young ones and adults, the cantina is a welcome rest stop before your crew's next galactic journey. As you plan your next smuggling run, please enjoy some bold musical entertainment courtesy of droid DJR3X, a former Starspeeder 3000 pilot. The cantina adheres to proprietor Ogagara's strict code of conduct, but patrons can be unpredictable, so just keep your head down and drink casual. For those who have dreamed of visiting one of the galaxy's most infamous watering holes, Ogus Cantina brings that dream to life. And what I love about Ogus Cantina is, again, it's so familiar to the Star Wars universe. If you look at a lot of the Star Wars movies out there, there's always a cantina. There always seems to be something revolving around, you know, whether it's the cantina on Tatooine or in Star Wars The Force Awakens, there's always these this culture around the cantina in the Star Wars universe. And we're going to get to see that and experience it firsthand with Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. The second restaurant that I met, that I mentioned is Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo. And this we can think of as the more traditional quick service food establishment at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And again, the website gives some great information or a great summary of what we can come to expect. So it says, prepare your taste buds for takeoff. At this restaurant housed in a working hangar bay, choose from a variety of dishes prepared with ingredients from across the galaxy. All of it delicious, but none of it familiar. And that, by the way, reminds me so much of uh, Pandora, the world of Avatar, and Satouli Canteen. 
Chef Strono Cookie Tugs has docked a food freighter loaded with fresh supplies and he's ready to satisfy the appetites of visitors and locals alike with an array of exotic offerings. His planet-hopping travels allow him to prepare fare with unusual flavors that delight customers. Once you've got your grub, sit inside the spacious hangar or grab a table in the rustic outdoor seating area surrounded by the crumbling walls of the old marketplace. And I will refer you back to the live stream panel because they did talk a lot about the design that went into the uh, docking base seven food and cargo into the merchandise shops. And the one word that was mentioned was authenticity. And the Imagineers mentioned that they really wanted this to feel like an authentic Star Wars experience. And everything that they did and designed came back to that one word. And I do think that as Disney has built new lands, they've really kept that feeling of authenticity front and center of everything that they've created. And we think about even with going back to the most recent land of uh, <clears throat> Pandora, the world of Avatar, you know, that did have a very uh, authentic feeling to it. We felt like we were really on Pandora. But I believe Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is really going to take this to an entirely different level. And I think part of that is going to go back to the experience you have dining on Batu. And as I mentioned, the third major uh, you know, food service area that you can expect at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is the milk stand. And again, it, this has a very great description on the uh, Disney website, which says, a specialty famous throughout the galaxy. No visit to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is complete without a frosty confection from the milk stand. The vendors at this quirky stall offer travels an invigorating, refreshing drink that's a favorite among the locals. Luke Skywalker can be seen enjoying blue milk in Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope, and green milk in Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi. Thirsty visitors can now try both these exotic galactic delicacies for themselves as they live their own Star Wars adventure. Now, I'm glad the fact that these are frosty uh, confections. I get the impression that perhaps it'll be almost like a, a milkshake or a smoothie, sort of that consistency, but we're not going to know for sure until this land formally opens in May in Disneyland and in August in Walt Disney World. Now, one other thing I do want to read to you was in February of 2019, the Disney Parks blog did announce some new delicacies coming to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. We had already known about these three areas. We knew a little bit about blue milk and green milk, but we didn't know too much about the food and beverage coming to Ogus Cantina or to uh, the Docking Bay 7 uh, area as well. <clears throat> so... I want to read for you what came from this announcement, and uh, I think it's, you know, there's no better way to describe for you what to expect when you dine at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So here's how the article reads. If you're like Chewbacca and always thinking with your stomach, you'll enjoy Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. <clears throat> the Star Wars-themed land is set to host enough tasty delights to please anyone, including our favorite Wookiee. Food and drink at Black Spire Outpost will be purely in-universe and served at a few eateries and watering holes, including the newly revealed Ronto Roasters, Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo, and Ogus Cantina. Last week, StarWars.com was invited to taste many of the galactic dishes, snacks, and beverages coming to Galaxy's Edge and got an early look at these vendors in a tour of the Disneyland Resort site in Anaheim. 
The dishes and drinks of Galaxy's Edge are wholly new creations. After all, no one has really made or tasted Star Wars food before. The team had to sit back and think about, how do we approach this? Said Brian uh, Piasecki, culinary director of concept development at Walt Disney World Resort. What is our creative direction of the food? Because we don't know. What does it taste like? What does it smell like? What does it look like? So we had the opportunity to really bring all of those touch points to every single guest that's going to visit Galaxy's Edge. And we're super excited about that, end quote. Indeed, one goal was surprise. If it looks if it looks like one thing and maybe it tastes like something else, that could be really cool. Ronto Roasters, while still incomplete during our walkthrough, is open and airy with big entrances, maybe to get all those giant Rontos inside. Concept art of the eatery has revealed an ingenious detail. A giant pod racer engine serves as the establishment's cooker. This location is super fun because it's all about meat and it's all about heat. This means drier options, including turkey jerky, uh, sorry, turkey jerky, and the signature Ronto wrap, a handheld sandwich filled with Portuguese sausage, roasted pork, and a cabbage slaw on top, all on a grilled pita. It's finished with a spicy, quote unquote, clutch sauce named for Darth Vader's force grip, which activates on the sides of your throat. It's weird, fun, and I confirm that Ronto meat is pretty delicious. Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo seems to be a larger space with cargo crates doubling as stalls at which to eat, and one crate being lowered through a giant hatch in the ceiling. It's touches like that that made Galaxy's Edge, even in its incomplete state, feel authentically Star Wars. Among the offerings are fried Andorian tip-yip, rectangle-shaped fried chicken, and cowdery ribs, smoked country sticky pork ribs with blueberry corn muffin and cabbage slaw. My favorite, Felucian Garden Spread, a plant-based kefta meatball dish, which I could not tell was made of beef, um, with herb hummus and tomato cucumber relish with pita bread, takes inspiration from its namesake, Felucia, a planet covered in plants and foliage. The flavors in Galaxy's Edge and Docking Bay 7 are going to be very bold, a lot of spice forward, and some surprises are still being cooked up. When asked if the raspberry puff dessert shell was inspired by Ray's instant bread, Piaseki kept some intel top secret. We have some other plans for that inspiration that will come out at a later time, he told me. Oga's Cantina, the watering hole of Black Spire Outpost, is a blend of the old and new. It's like stepping into the Moss Eisley Cantina sequence from A New Hope, but not quite. There's the U-shaped bar with piping in the middle and tables in private nooks. When you visit, you can walk right up to the bar and order, just like Luke. It's familiar yet different enough that you won't feel like Greedo could just be around the corner. Beverages will be available at Oga's Cantina, Bay 7 Food and Cargo, and Select Stands. They're colorful, with huge hues ranging from pink to orange to yellow and beyond. The non-alcoholic Tatooine Sunset, a reddish pink, is tea-based and smooth. Move juice, a pinkish fruit juice, is cool and refreshing. Oga's obsession falls somewhere between beverage and snack and tastes the most otherworldly. Contained in what looks like a petri dish, you scoop your serving and the garnish pops in your mouth. The alcoholic selections are sometimes frothy, sometimes steamy, and sometimes delightfully bubbly. Like the fuzzy uh, tauntaun, the Bespin Fizz, and the Outer Rim. The bloody Rancor, of course, comes with an edible bone. A selection of beers are on the way. One of the options we sampled was very hoppy, with hints of citrus and a little bitter. Finally, some of the Star Wars' most iconic drinks are coming to Galaxy's Edge. Blue and green milk, which we talked about earlier, will be available both made with plant-based dairy. You can pick up frozen iterations at the milk stands and the regular version of blue milk at Oga's Cantina. They're very flavorful, sorry, they're very flavorful. They're kid-friendly. Guests of all ages can enjoy these, said Brian Koziol, uh, food and beverage concept development director at Walt Disney World Resort. While we didn't get to sample these drinks, 
Uh, Koizuel described blue milk as having berry combinations that can come through with hints of melon, while green milk is more tropical. Star Wars Rebel fans will be happy to learn that Mailroom Juice, a non-alcoholic drink based on a fruity uh, on a fruit introduced in the animated series, can be purchased at Ronto Roasters. And if you want something more of our own galaxy, fear not, the cargo ships are coming back and forth all the time, so there's lots coming in and out from galactic space. There's a big galaxy to food and drink awaiting at Galaxy's Edge. Feel free to indulge your inner Chewy and enjoy without fear of Ewok traps. So as I said, you know, there's so much that we can come to expect with the food and beverage at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It is going to be very unfamiliar and familiar at the same time. We get a lot of spice that we're gonna get into a lot of the dishes, and we do know that we also are gonna get some new popcorn options at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge as well. But let me take you back to the panel real quick, and I do wanna play a clip where they talk a little bit more about what, in, what went into the inspiration for the food at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Um, you know, so Scott also mentioned, you know, just walking through, I, I think this is what it's been great working with you, Doug, on design is, you know, filmmakers, they really get to play with just two senses, right? You, the visual and the audio, right? You know, what you hear. But we, as Imagineers, get to play with, well, what's, what's Galaxy's Edge feel like? What's Star Wars feel like as I walk through the land? What's that texture? What's that grit that brings it to life? Um, you know, that makes it feel like Star Wars. What do you, you know, what do you, what do you smell as you walk through stars? I know that's a weird thing to say, right? But you mentioned Ronto Roaster, Scott, and, and walking through the marketplace, you're hearing the market, you're, you're, you know, it's got these amazing senses that are taking place, but then the, the smell of the Ronto being roasted on this giant spit is, uh, mm, is quite a unique meat, thing. Yes. Space meat, yes. What does a space meat taste like? Can you tell us? What do you think it smells like, like and tastes like, Josh? Falafel? Uh, yeah, more like shawarma. Shawarma? Shawarma, yeah, space yeah. shawarma. I want some space shawarma. And try the Minoc jerky as well. Yes, the Minoc jerky is delicious. Uh, any any blue milk? Uh, well, we do. You know, it's not just about, you know, it, they're also, yes, um, things that you might, yes. And green milk. Yes, blue and green milk. What does the blue and green milk taste like? Uh, well, Please don't it, say shawarma. It, it does not taste like shawarma. <laughs> but you know what? For 40 years, we've wondered, right? And now when you get, come to the Black Spire Outpost, you're actually going to have to find out for yourself. That's amazing. And it's not the only thing that we have. No, here, it's right? not. It's I mean, not. We, 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 the amazing food and beverage, as Chris said, bringing Star Wars to life with all the senses is something that we've been really, really focused on because we really, truly want you to immerse yourself in these experiences. Um, and authenticity. I mean, I think yeah. this next piece yeah. will speak to the level of authenticity that we have gone to on this project. Authenticity, attention to detail. And I'm actually excited to share something now with you guys for the first time. You guys are going to be the first anywhere to see this or hear about this. We've actually, in that quest for authenticity and attention to detail, we've actually uh, been working with a partner of ours. Almost four and a half years we've been working to bring something new, something exciting to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It's going to feel familiar, but very, very authentically Star Wars. And instead of me actually telling you about this... Do we have a video? You said more pictures. <laughs> more pictures. So I brought more pictures for show you. Show it to us. So I want to show you this and see if you can figure out I'm sure you will, what it is we're talking about and what is this new thing that we're bringing into the world of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So unfortunately, even if I were to play the audio back for that video, it wouldn't tell you too much about what that announcement was. But for those of you who were keeping up with it, you would have, uh, you might remember, you might have seen the fact that all those Coca-Cola products that we have come to love at Disney Parks have been given 
a completely new product design for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It's going to feel, uh, as Scott mentioned, familiar and foreign at the same time. Same exact taste, very familiar brand colors, but it's going to look very alien, very Star Wars. Uh, and if you haven't checked it out yet, definitely go to uh, you know StarWars.com or the Disney Parks blog and take a look at the design for the packaging. It looks so cool. Uh, and uh, it's definitely something that I am very much looking forward to at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Um, quickly, I just want to touch on, uh, touch on a couple of uh, shops that you can come to expect. We don't know necessarily all of the uh, merchandise that we're going to have available at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, but we do have some uh, major under, a major understanding of the the most significant shops that are going to be available at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. The first one is Toy Darien Toy Maker, and this is, as the website says, uh, no galactic traveler should return home empty-handed. Here is this humble, jumbled shop. You'll find all manner of artisanal playthings and collectibles handmade by the busy toy maker Zabaka the Toy Darien. Her fantastical storefront is cluttered with crates of toy-making supplies and other unique works in progress, including a Tauntaun rocking horse. Uh, Zabaka's silhouette is often visible through the frosted back window of her workshop as she flits around crafting Wookiee dolls and classic games like Chance Cubes and Sabacc. Keep your young crew members entertained on the long space flight home with trinkets to treasure from Toy Darien Toymaker. My analysis of that, of course, is that it's basically going to be a gift shop for a lot of merchandise and, um, you know, toys that your kids can take home or grown kids can take home. I'm sure I'm going to want to take home a lot of those. Uh, but the next one that we have is uh, the Creature Stall. So, again, you know, the Disney website gives the, the best uh, description of what this is going to be like. At this exotic shop, you're free to explore as you peek into cages and crates filled with hard-to-find species from across the galaxy. Bina, the stall's proprietor, scours star systems to keep the storefront stocked with unique companions for her customers. Marvel at a large collection of cackling Kowakian monkey lizards, the rambunctious pets popular with shadowy underworld figures, including huts. Most of the creatures here are available for purchase. Restrictions may apply to Rathers. So, you know, this is probably, again, what I'd expect to be a plush shop or a, uh, a more modern version of a plush, plush shop uh, or perhaps give it a little bit of a Star Wars Galaxy's Edge spin. But another great place for kids or grown kids to go and uh, to be able to get some merchandise. Uh, next up, we have Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities. And as the website reads, hidden inside the den, you'll encounter a rotating collection of unique items that include everything from jewelry to ancient tools to rare kyber crystals uh, to statues and even a collection of famous lightsabers. The eclectic assortment of goods comes from many different planets and eras. You'll want to explore every nook and cranny of the shop. Who knows what priceless riches you'll uncover. How Doc Ondar acquired all these treasures, no one knows. Some secrets are better kept that way. Other secrets are better off-kept for sale on the shelves of Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities. So here, from my understanding, is the place that you'll actually be able to go to purchase a lightsaber. I'm very much looking forward to go there. I, I can't even imagine what the lightsabers are going to be like, but I'd imagine it's not just going to be your... Uh, average toy that you see right now at Hollywood Studios or Magic Kingdom, it's going to be, or at Disneyland, it's definitely going to be a completely new level of bringing a lightsaber home with you. Uh, and the last one that is up on the list is Black Spire Outfitters. And this is pretty much, as you could imagine, a 
uh, a shop for buying garments and gear. Uh, and as the website reads, shopping for your next scouting mission through the Outer Rim, need a new robe to greet the ambassador of your home planet, or just want to pick up some casual garbs to blend with the locals, at this local shop you can browse through an eclectic selection of stylish, functional clothing suitable for a variety of occasions and worlds. So again, a shop we can go to uh, you know, get some gear for our next trip back to a different galaxy or back to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Uh, the only thing that's not on the website, uh, oh, I'm sorry, we actually have uh, two other merchandise stands and here's where you can get some custom merchandise and I take back what I said earlier. Uh, we have Savi's Workshop, There's so many new additions I almost forget sometimes. This is where you get your hand-built lightsabers. Um, so here's how it reads on the website. Choose your path. Travel to Black Spire Outpost where a group known as the Gatherers ushers you into a covert workshop packed with unusual parts, whimsical pieces, and miscellaneous memorabilia collected from the far reaches of the galaxy. Under their guidance, you can construct your very own one-of-a-kind lightsaber and bring it to life through the power of kyber crystals. Builders beware, you must protect the shop's secrecy to avoid being discovered by the First Order. And it says that the themes you can get for lightsabers are peace and justice, power and control, elemental nature, and protection of uh, protection and defense. So you can actually choose, and there's a great uh, there's some great information on the website about what those mean. But you get to actually choose your themed lightsaber, and I'd imagine that also coincides with the color. <clears throat> the other custom merchandise you can get is from the Droid Depot. And as it reads on the website, visit a workshop stocked with stacks of parts, chips, manuals, and other tech items useful for constructing your very own droid, one of the galaxy's most indispensable sidekicks. Pick from the popular BB-8 series or R-series unit, then begin designing, building, and activating your droid. It's an exciting interactive experience galactic travelers will never forget. Plus, you'll have the opportunity to purchase pre-made and premium droids, model kits, and accessories, as well as a cool collection of unique upcycled objects crafted for scrap parts. Whether heading to the far corners of wild space or wandering around Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, be sure to bring your personal droid. It's the ultimate travel companion for all your Outer Rim adventures. So again, a lot of great merchandise experiences you can come to expect. And notice that we've spent the last uh, 47 minutes or so just discussing the food, merchandise, land. We haven't even gotten to the attractions. And the reason why I wanted to share so much about that is because people normally go to a land looking for the attractions. But I am more excited about the land itself. I might be the only one, but I am so excited to experience Star Wars Galaxy's Edge as a land between the shopping, uh, the, the dining, and the overall experience. I get the impression that you could spend a full day there and have so much to explore. But I do want to transition over to the attractions, of course. And the first one that's going to be opening with Star Wars Galaxy's Edge uh, in May and in August at Disneyland and Walt Disney World, respectively, is the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. And this is the uh, <clears throat> the more motion simulator type of attraction where you are actually going to pilot the Millennium Falcon. Um, so I want to read for you what it says on the website. Take control of the fastest ship in the galaxy. Ride in the famous cockpit of the Millennium Falcon on a daring flight, and whether you're a pilot, engineer, or gunner, every roll is crucial. The engines rumble as the Millennium Falcon blasts off, pushing you and your crew back into your seats when you jump into hyperspace towards adventure. Along the way, you'll face danger at every turn. Will your mission succeed or fail? It's up to you. Find out if you have what it takes to outmaneuver the odds aboard the Millennium Falcon. Get ready to punch it. 
That's a great overall description, but we got so much information from the live stream that happened in Chicago back in April. So I want to transition it over to you there and have you learn a little bit more from the panel directly of what you could come to expect with Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. I want to know, Asa, you've been eerily silent. And that's mainly because I haven't asked you a question, so that's on me. I've noticed that. But I I want to know more about Millennium Falcon. Uh, Please. I need to know more about Millennium Falcon. What can you tell us? I would absolutely love to. Thank you so much, uh, Asa. All right, moving on. (laughs) It was brief. Uh, So even before guests get to climb aboard that super iconic, amazing cockpit, the experience really begins right outside, where guests are going to get to see the Millennium Falcon parked in all her glory out in front of the local spaceport. Really, the scale of the ship itself is a whole experience in and unto itself. Doug, does it hold up? Yes. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, we built so many different versions for our films, and they're all at different scales. That Uh, little one on the hand? Oh, yeah. No, that's That's... one of the most fun. Yes. So, my size. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So we've had, I mean, we've had a variety of full-size versions as well, you know, and then you see here there's a six-foot shooting miniature as well as a two-inch shooting miniature, and then some, um, you know, digital versions as well. And they were all slightly different from each other because they were built for different purposes. The one you're going to see up at two is the definitive Falcon. It's the real deal, and it's breathtaking. I remember being there and just being amazed just standing in front of it because it's so powerful. Anyone else just cry a little bit, or is that just me? Okay. And That's... just wait, Josh. If it gets even better, obviously, when you finally get the chance to go inside. This is something that we knew we had to do. As soon as we started developing Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, we knew that we had to give guests that opportunity to step aboard the Millennium Falcon. But we knew that that wasn't enough, right? This idea that you would just get to ride inside the Millennium Falcon. But we actually wanted to give you the opportunity to control the Millennium Falcon. So guests are going to get to load into that iconic cockpit and take controls of the fastest hunk of junk of the galaxy. And it's going to be unlike anything we've ever offered our guests before. As a pilot, you have the opportunity to either steer the ship left or right or up and down. And it's truly up to you to pilot the ship out of the way of those spires, for example. If you don't, you're going to smash into them. Alarms are going to go off, sparks are going to fly, and it'll be up to the engineers in the back of the cockpit to work furiously to keep the ship in, you know, working order. we got TIE fighters coming at us left and right. It's up to the gunners in the middle to work those lasers and those blasters to truly defend the ship. So it's not just the pilot, the gunners, the engineers, everybody's going to have an experience inside this cockpit Absolutely. that's different. Everybody has a very important role to play, and it's truly up to you and your flight crew to determine the fate of the ship. Um, You know, one of the amazing things about this experience is actually, uh, you know, even when it's over, the story continues. So as you make your way out of the cockpit at the end of your amazing smuggling adventure, even even that iconic hallway that you make your way through, yeah, I mean, it's going to look different depending on how you fly. If you had a beautiful, clean run, that hallway is going to be in pristine condition. If you've banged into every possible thing there was to bang into and taken, you know, a volley of laser blasts, Lights are going to be broken. We're going to hear sparks flying. You know, we're going to hear uh, calm chatter about the incredible damage that you managed to cause to the ship. Um, and it's it, it's an important uh, it's important that you uh, do what you can to bring the ship back in good working order. Hondo uh, Onaka is a is a very 
He's, he's a phenomenal boss, but he doesn't take too kindly to those bringing his ship back in, uh, in rough shape. Oh, I absolutely love Hondo Anaka. What was it like to bring such an awesome character that hasn't been in the films yet into this world? Yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, go ahead. It's, uh, I had a chance to see um, Hondo up close, and his transformation and evolution from animated life to real life has been, it, it's uncanny. I mean, we went down and got the, you know, all the details right, including getting Jim Cummings to do the voice work. And Wow. This, this sculpt that you're seeing here, it's amazing. It was actually based off of a sketch that Dave Filoni had done a long time ago. He'd always sort of wondered what Hondo might look like when he's older. And so working with Dave Filoni and uh, the amazing team uh, led by Neil Scanlon, we were able to bring Hondo from animated form uh, into real life. All right, I hope you guys have something to show us. Yeah, ab of course, absolutely. So what we'd love to roll for you now is actually a, a clip of the uh, Hondo Onaka, the boss man himself of Onaka Transport Solutions. Yes, yes. Hello, hello, my friends. I am Hondo Onaka, and this is Onaka Transport Solutions. Today, I am offering the opportunity of a lifetime. I need flight crews to transport this valuable merchandise across the galaxy. Pilots to navigate, engineers to operate the ship, and gunners to defend the shipments. And that is where you come in. That's insane. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's Hondo. That is Hondo. He's and I real. love that you guys brought in Jim Cummings. To do, everybody here know who Jim Cummings is. He's like the most incredible voice talent ever. He, he does Winnie the Pooh. He does Tigger. My greatest fear in life is one day I'm going to get a phone call saying Olaf is now going to be played by Jim Cummings. <laughs> um, but it, it's just insane. So I digress. Margaret, who else do we have in this We've world? We've worked with so many incredible voiceover actors. And uh, one of the ones that we definitely wanted to bring back for DJ Rex is Paul Rubens. So we were super excited to bring him back and no one was more excited than Paul. He was really great was to work amazing. with. He really, he was really, really was. And he brought in a lot of inspiration and new lines for us. And you, let's just say you will be thoroughly entertained in Oga's Cantina. Anybody else? Well, I think that's the kind of that, that attention to detail that I think you guys want from us, right? That level of authenticity and kind of going back to these, you know, to the classics, if you will, and making sure we're doing this right. And I will tell you that we're putting so much love and kind of passion into making sure that we're kind of working in a way that we think you would want us to, that we are going back to some of these folks like, like, like Paul and like, and like Jim Cummings. And, and, you know, one of my favorite examples of this is, anybody know this character? <laughs> yeah. So, I love this story because Nainam, when he was voiced in his original appearance, was voiced by um, a young man who was a student in the, in the Bay Area at the time, actually was from Kenya, um, and spoke a unique dialect and had a unique sounding voice. But then time passed and, and, and this gentleman whose name is Kip Sang Rotich went back to Africa and we kind of lost tr track of him. But when we decided we were going to bring Nainam back for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, we actually went to Kenya, tracked him down to record the original voice actor for Nainam to play, uh, to play in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge because we think that's the kind of thing you would want us to do. That's crazy. I love that you guys couldn't just call him on the phone and say, can you go to a recording studio? You all had to fly to Kenya. That's incredible. Why I, didn't I you guys work. take me on any of these trips? <laughs> Too young. Is there... You don't have a passport yet. <laughs> fair, fair point. I'm so sorry, man. But, you know, 
there's other, there's other great people we have in this too, right? Because not every character that we hear is a character that we can see. Yep. Sometimes those voices come to us from the beyond. Maybe the force? Yeah. yeah the Stop force speaking is very, in riddles. Yeah. What are you saying to us? I, I think we're saying that, you know, the force is a very mysterious thing. And sometimes maybe Jedis from the past could visit us and be part of your experience. Specifically? <laughs> maybe maybe a, a small green Jedi. Darth Maul? <laughs> no. <gasps> Yoda? Yes. Wait a second. Wait a second. Please tell me what I think I want to hear. Who is voicing Yoda for this attraction I or think, this world? I think the name you're wanting to hear me say is Frank Oz. Oh. You guys are living the dream right now. Amazing. It's, it's, it's incredible to work with the talent that's, that's been pulled together for Galaxy's Edge. So it is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So hope you enjoyed getting a little more information about Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. And I, again, extended the audio clip a little bit further so you can hear the other voice actors that are going to be coming to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I was particularly excited about Frank Oz reprising the role as Yoda. There's almost nothing quite as iconic in the Star Wars universe as Yoda. And to have the original voice actor coming back to the table... Uh, to play that role is incredible. And you know, we've been hearing in this episode all about the authentic experience that the Imagineers are talking about. And, you know, between John Williams, Frank Oz, uh, all the other voice actors that they mentioned, we, you know, we got Jim Cummings back, coming back to the table. We have the authentic experience and the design and the attractions. It is going to be an incredible incredible and I think far beyond anything we've seen at any park uh, in anywhere. I, I am so pumped for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and even if you're not a Star Wars fan, I think you can really come to appreciate what this land will have to offer from a point of view of an experience. Much like Pandora, the world of Avatar, you don't necessarily have to be a fan of the Avatar movies to appreciate the land and I think Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is going to be very similar to that concept. Now, the other attraction, sort of the signature e-ticket attraction, which is going to be opening later in 2019 at Disneyland and Walt Disney World, is Star Wars The Rise of the Resistance. Now, I will say, I don't want to spoil this one for you. And I know that we don't have a lot of spoilers in this episode, just what's been announced, but I really don't want to spoil Rise of the Resistance. So I'm just going to share a couple of things. One, we do know that for Rise of the Resistance, we're going to be on a trackless dark ride. Um, there is going to be a f there are going to be a few components of this attraction. It's going to be a layered experience. So the experience is going to start as far back as the queue. There's rumors we might see Ray, we might see Poe, and we're somehow going to be beamed up to a star destroyer. And along the way, we're going to be caught. We're going to be captured, and that is very relevant to a lot of the Star Wars movies because in a lot of Star Wars movies at some point the hero is captured and if you've chosen again to go to that part of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and join the resistance it's only appropriate that you as the hero be captured as well so you will be captured by the First Order and that is when your journey is really going to kick off in the traditional sense of when the ride will begin it will be a trackless dark ride we will come face to face with Kylo Ren 
I've heard we might even be able to hear the uh, or feel the heat from his lightsaber. I think it's going to be one of the most immersive, if not the most immersive and convincing attractions that has ever been built. Not just Disney, but anyone. And I don't want to give too much more information. I don't have all the pieces of information about what we can come to expect. But from all the pieces I have been hearing and the rumors and what I know is confirmed to be true, I can promise you it will be worth the wait. Um, So more to come on that. But I am so excited for Rise of the Resistance. I I think it's going to be uh, beyond our wildest dreams for what we've come to expect uh, at, uh, at any Disney park around the world. The last thing I do want to share with you is sort of the game plan for when these parks are going to open. So, or when I I should not say parks, when these lands are supposed to open at these theme parks. So Galaxy's Edge is going to be opening at Disneyland on May 31st, 2019. So if you're listening again on Star Wars Day, it's going to be later this month. And at Walt Disney World on August 29th, uh, later this summer. So whether you choose to visit Disneyland or Walt Disney World, I do hope you'll get the chance to experience it in person. But one thing to note about uh, Galaxy's Edge is that if you are going to be visiting Disneyland's version between May 20, uh, sorry, May 31st and June 23rd, you are going to need to make a reservation for this land. And access to the land is going to be, uh, you know, uh, based on guest demand and other factors, certain experiences might not be available during that time. Uh, chances are that it, uh, it will have most things open for you. Rise of the Resistance will not be open uh, by the time that June 23rd rolls around. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Uh, but you know, you are of course going to need valid theme park admission. When going to Galaxy's Edge, you We'll need to make a reservation between May 31st and June 23rd. That's a no-cost reservation. Um, there is limited availability, of course, and that's just to make sure that they keep the land as, uh, you know, in, in as much crowd control as possible because the worst thing to happen is for you to go there and it is wall-to-wall people. Um, so, I, and we have heard there is going to be some sort of time limit uh, for galaxy's edge i don't know exactly how they're going to enforce it maybe they'll bring stormtroopers to come and escort people out in true themed fashion uh more likely they'll just have uh, staggered start and finish times and uh we'll use that to determine you know when you can get into the land and when you will unfortunately have to uh to leave but again that's only for that window and only at disneyland walt disney world there are no restrictions the only other thing i will say is that fast pass and max pass are going to be unavailable for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge when it first opens. So keep that in mind. Uh, Everything's going to be standby. And I think the reservation system at Disneyland is really going to help keep that under control. Uh, So that's kind of it. I I wanted to share with you some of the uh, the information to get you ready for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I hope you're as excited as uh, I am. But uh, to close out the episode, I'm going to transition over to some famous Star Wars music.
And with that, we close out episode 44 of the Imagineer podcast. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. I know it's very relevant to a very particular period of time, and I'm sure in a few months we're going to listen back and know even more about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. But because it's Star Wars Day, I want to get you hyped for the opening of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland and at Walt Disney World. But I, of course, want to hear from you. What are you most excited about, about this new land? What are you thinking you might come to expect with the attractions or the merchandise or the food? What are you most excited to see? What are you going to get in line for first? And, of course, when are you going to make that trip to Disneyland or to Disney's Hollywood Studios at Walt Disney World to visit Star Wars Galaxy's Edge? And you can send me your feedback in so many different ways. You can send me a direct message on Facebook or Instagram at Imagineer Podcast. You can also send me feedback in our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash Imagineer Podcast. Our group is called the Imagineer Podcast Disney Fan Community. You can send me an email at Podcast at gmail.com or, of course, call our voicemail to hear your voice on a future episode of this show, which you can call by dialing 516-406-8376. Uh, If you don't already subscribe to the Imagineer podcast, please be sure to do so. Whether you subscribe in iTunes, Google, Podbean, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, we are on so many podcast apps out there, so be sure to hit that subscribe button. If there are any particular episodes you'd like to hear in the future, please feel free to reach out to me in any of our social media platforms. Of course, one of the best things you could do for the show is to share out the podcast. Whether you share out your favorite episode, if you have friends who might be interested in hearing about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, of course, share that out with them. Uh, You could share out any episode or the podcast as a whole in your Instagram stories and an Instagram post through Instagram direct message, of course, Uh, Facebook stories, Facebook post, Twitter. And I forgot to mention, you can also reach out to me there at Imagineer Audio. So feel free to uh, tweet out that you're listening to the Imagineer podcast or share it with your friends in a text or direct message or in person over the phone, whatever you do to help share the magic of the Imagineer podcast uh, does so much to help our community to grow. The other thing that helps our community very much is to rate and review the podcast, especially in iTunes. So if you would rate and review the show, it takes uh, 30 to 60 seconds, depending on how much you want to write. It does so much to uh, let iTunes know that this is a relevant and exciting Disney podcast to listen to. And lastly, I want to give a special thanks and shout out as always to our VIPs over at the uh, at patreon.com slash Imagineer podcast. Our VIPs help to support the show financially and get some exclusive content and rewards in return. If you're interested in joining our VIP group, it does a lot to help our show to continue to grow and also, again, gives you those extra perks and rewards in return for as little as a dollar a month. So you can learn more about all of our different VIP membership options by going to patreon.com slash Imagineer podcast. As always, I want to thank you so much for listening to the Imagineer podcast. Remember that it is always possible to make your dreams come true. I hope you're doing everything you can to make a better, happier life for yourself. Remember that quote from Horizons, if you can dream it, you can do it. And on this Star Wars day, may the force be with you.
on your ship, one loyal to our cause you carry. The spy. Mm. Deliver him you must, or all will be lost. To your outer unit, coordinates I will send. May the force be with you. <laughs>